Hey guys, what's up? This is episode five of the Tales of the People podcast. And today I have with me an MMA coach. Uh, he used to be a professional MMA fighter. He specializes in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He has a black belt and he is also a co-host of the Rough and Tumble podcast. So welcome, Johnny Wester. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. So how, how have you been? I've been pretty good. Um, really lazy the past couple of months, just with everything well, that's going on. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. How have you been coping with the uh, lack of MME or have you all been, you know, keeping it low key and, you know, training a little bit or there's been no training at all? No training at all. Honestly, I've, uh, I, I haven't stopped training, um, for more than a week for the past 12 years. I mean, I've just, you know, I've always been in the gym, always been training. And, uh, so this like time off was kind of needed for me and it was a little bit welcomed. Um, it's getting to the point now where I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get back though. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand completely. But, um, how has your body been feeling though, since, you know, you had that break? Um, it's been really, you know, I, I've had a lot of injuries that have gotten to heal up. Uh, right. but it's interesting, like. I actually just recently started kind of like getting back in the gym a little bit and like training here and there. And all of a sudden my knee just swelled up. Um, I mean, it was like the size of a softball out of nowhere. And uh, oh, so I weird. think my body was just so used to the abuse and now the time off, it's like, <laughs> whoa, 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 what are you doing to, to me? Yeah. Yeah. So did he keep up conditioning at all or no? I try to um, spend most of my conditioning efforts during training, for instance, like while I'm sparring or while I'm in classes training. So um, we'll kind of play games with how we do our, our rounds um, right. to try to make it more interesting and make it more uh, more cardio intense or whatever. So I try to focus it mostly around that. The unfortunate side of it is when things like this happen, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. bad at keeping up with my conditioning. So I'll just right, have to yeah. and kind of work a little bit harder to catch up. Yeah, so your, your muscle memory will save you, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> muscle memory will save you. So you saw the uh, UFC event last night? Yeah, um, my friend, my good, my good friend Bryce Mitchell, he was fighting on the prelims of that card. He got a big win. Uh, this is his like fifth in a row for the UFC. And right. uh, so I got to watch the prelims. I saw some of the highlights of the main event. Uh, and it, they look pretty good, but um, mostly just kind of focused on those prelims. Well, how was the... Um viewing experience different with no crowd i think i think it was cool that you actually heard every single thing you heard coaches and you heard each kick each block you kind of you know the actual hearing of it was was better to me yeah the sound really added like a really interesting dynamic to it it yeah. felt to me much more like um when i'm honestly in there fighting um it's surprisingly <laughs> quiet no matter how much um, yeah, how much crowd noise there is Right. Like you're still a good 35 feet from anybody and you're in the middle of a cage right next to somebody. All you're really hearing and focusing on is them punching and kicking you, you know? So like yeah. it sounds a lot more like when you're actually in the fight. I thought it was a really cool uh, perspective of it. Well, did you uh, watch the highlights for the Dominic Cruz and Henry fight? I did. Um, I was really was disappointed your, by that. <laughs> what was your um, What was your take on the stoppage? The stoppage, I, I don't. I think it was early. Um, but any time that I say early stoppage, it's so hard to really, uh, to really, to really like stand behind that because I wasn't in there, you know. And that mm -hmm. red, 
it's such a hard job to ref. Um, yeah, exactly. So you have two people that are trying to kill each other right in front of you, and you're right. trying to make sure that they play by the rules. You know, like yeah. it's a really tough job. So I could I could absolutely see um, the ref being in there, and maybe Dominic did something that the ref was just like, you know what, that really looks like he's he's out and jumped in. So yeah, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a one yeah. second. Uh, it's a one second. You know, it's a one second interval that you have. That can make yeah. it, you know, either safe or unsafe. So, mm -hmm. you know. And how many times have you, like, stepped into something and as soon as you step in, you're thinking, oh, this was a mistake. You know, like, yeah, that exactly. could have easily been the situation for him, too. Yeah, no. So, exactly. So, uh, well, more on to you now. What got you into the sport of... Um, well, what, did you start with like martial arts training or was it MME? You know, they have those MME kind of classes overall. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting for, for how my story goes. Like looking back now, I can definitely put together the pieces that led me to where I'm at. You know, like I can, uh, when I was real young, my, my parents signed me up for judo class and I really liked that. Unfortunately, I couldn't keep doing it. Um, and then I got into wrestling later on in high school. That was like the only sport that I loved. Um, and could really get behind. We moved right. right after I got into that. So I wasn't like, you know, I didn't have that strong background and I ultimately fell into uh, music uh, in my later oh. years of high school. And right after high school, I, I left uh, and moved to California to play in a pop punk band and uh, kind of pursue that dream. While I was out there, I was, uh, was kind of struggling relating to a lot of the people there. Just kind of, I think it was partly just how I, was raised and then kind of a culture shock moving. Um, right. for me. Were you and more sheltered or like kind of? No, um, I just wasn't. Um, you know, I'm from the South and people are much more uh, polite to your face and then they'll say something behind your back, you know? <laughs> uh, and uh, in, in, in California and some of like the more Northern states, it seems that they're much more abrasive a lot of times. Uh, and we're in the South, we're, we'll dance around. Uh, the super's like, oh, you look great, you know. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, did you see what she was wearing? But you know, <laughs> out there, they're like, oh, you look terrible, you know. Like, what yeah, are you doing? That it's kind of more, um, it's more and judgmental. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say judgmental, I guess. And it maybe not even, you know, like maybe not even judgmental. It's just the way that they did things was a little bit different. And um, so I was struggling, kind of fitting in with a lot of my friends and like feeling like I was uh, where I was supposed to be. And right. that kind of led me to getting into uh, a Muay Thai gym um, for like their their one week free trial or whatever. I couldn't mm -hmm. afford it because I was a broke musician, um, but I had a friend that could afford it and he would go and then I would make him teach me the moves in his garage <laughs> afterwards. And, right. uh, and so that kind of spurred my curiosity towards it. And then whenever I moved back to Arkansas, I started looking for Muay Thai gyms and the only thing here was MMA. And so right. I got, uh, you know, I was kind of like, well, I can't, you know, I, I want to continue this doing Muay Thai at least. So this is the next best thing. And eight months later, I'm taking my first MMA fight. And then <laughs> that goes, I just kind of fell in love with it and fell down the rabbit hole. And, uh, now here we are. <laughs> uh, that's, that's cool. But, um, so you, you kind of tape it into BJJ primarily. Well, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu primarily. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, I, I, I got into Muay Thai originally, and striking has mm -hmm. always been like where I've, I've kind of 
been more talented talented naturally right, well that's interesting because you you did judo and then wrestling which is no <laughs> yeah. sign at all so, uh, and it, it was it was a struggle like for me to understand it to wrap my mind around what was going a lot on the ground um and i kind of have a i have this theory that um you know there's always there always seems to be these people that in school that are like your your english and science people and then you have like right. uh, your math and your, uh, excuse me, like English and social studies. And then you have your math and your science people, right? Like yeah, no, I they're, understand that. they're two totally different types of people. And I kind of feel like that's the, the way that uh, jujitsu and striking work. I think a lot of the English uh, and social studies kind of people, they fall into striking really easily. And it's kind of one of the things it's like, once you learn the technique, the rest is just put my fist in their face, you know? And, uh, and jujitsu is a little bit more like a math problem. You have to really kind of break it down. I just watch those guys fighting and I have no clue what's happening. It's (laughs) just like hands and feet in so such specific positions and nobody can move, you know, just stuck. Nobody can move. Um, So that means, so you, you would say your favorite style is, um, you know, Muay Thai. It really depends on what day of the week you ask me, you know, um, sometimes I'm just like, I'm just all about boxing, like just straight boxing. Other The next week I'll be into Muay Thai. The next week I'll be into, uh, you know, real cool flashy jujitsu moves or something. Um, and that's what keeps my interest with mixed martial arts and, and fighting is that there's always something for me to pivot to. If I get bored of boxing, I'll move on to wrestling. If I get bored of wrestling, then I'll start doing some jujitsu. If I get bored of that, I'll move on to something else. And I can always pivot to the next thing. So who is your um, kind of idol or inspiration growing up? Growing up, um, and still really my my father would definitely be my my uh, kind of my hero. Um, mm-hmm. he, he spent a lot of time during my childhood. Uh, he kind of had to do what was necessary to provide for the family. And uh, now I'm in a point where I'm actually about to have a child of my own. And I'm kind of seeing exactly how tough that is to make some of those decisions and, uh, and realize that you've got to, you know, now's the time to work. I've got to start making money because I have a, a family to provide for. So it's just seeing him, how hard he worked and, uh, and what he had to sacrifice in order for me to have a, a halfway decent life is uh, really inspiring to me. Right. And is there um, any favorite fighter or fighter who's inspired you? Oh, absolutely. Um, my favorite striking, uh, my, my favorite striker is a Dutch guy named Ramon Deckers. He, uh, if, if you've ever watched Mike Tyson fight, he's right. like small Mike Tyson for kickboxing. Like he would just knock people's heads off. And he was, he actually, he was a Muay Thai fighter and uh, he won Thai fighter of the year, uh, I think twice which is just unheard of in Thailand for an outsider to come <laughs> in and, and do that, you know? And, uh, impossible, yeah. 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 And he, he just, his, you watch his fights and it's, it's incredible. Um, really looks like a little tiny Mike Tyson would just walk through people's kicks and punches like they weren't even there and just knocked fools out. <laughs> but I don't know anybody in like the current MMA era that you like. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was really, disappointed that Dominic Cruz last lost last night night he's one of my favorite um fighters and he he hasn't been until recently really because I've started realizing just how smart his footwork and his 
and his craft is and how um, how educated he is in the roots of, of these sports. If you watch his footwork and then go back and watch uh, Willie Pep, who is a boxer from the 30s, 40s kind of era, he... Right. looks almost he looks almost exactly like him in the way that he moves his feet and he would be probably the first person that would tell you that and so that to me just like his his brain his fighting brain is just really something that I've started to really admire All right and well of course you prefer stand up to ground um if i'm fighting like if i'm personally fighting yes yeah, if you're in the ring yeah yeah, uh, I, I definitely prefer to stand up. And that that spurred a lot of me having to get better at jiu-jitsu because most of, for the era of that I was fighting, most of the people in my area didn't, didn't have the striking like I did. Um, and I was, and so a lot of people struggled with that and their first thing was, you know, take them down. And so I really had to learn how to a defend the takedown and b uh, learn how to defend myself off my back and do something off my back because that's where everybody wanted to take me, um, and that yeah. kind of spurred my creativity in jujitsu. My personal um, thing about MMA is that there's so much elements. Like, as you were saying, like if I was a fighter and I was pretty good at you know boxing, Muay Thai, you have a you have a whole other half aspect that the other guy can easily win if you're just not good at it. So that's interesting about MME, how how um diverse the skills that needs to be. Yeah. And and you know, like a lot of people try to compare uh, and say, like, well, how would this boxer do in MMA or how would this MMA fighter? Yeah, like when Connor um fought Floyd and you, people have to remember like what Connor did was actually incredible. Like he he did really well with um I, yeah, he did. But as a boxing fan, I mean, to me, Floyd let him do it. Like Floyd basically let him gas himself, and oh and yeah, took the fight. Um, that was his tactic. But if Floyd wanted to box, there's professional boxers who cannot hit Floyd Mayweather. Like yeah. Floyd, Floyd's, Floyd's footwork is, and his um his Philly shell and stuff is just different. He's he's probably you know one of the best. He is one of the best of all time, but he might just be the best. You know, yeah, yeah absolutely, especially. And his, when you think about, um, you know, he spent his entire life, uh, you know, for being being pretty general, but like he spent his whole life working on how, you know, to make his hands better, how to how to make yeah. his boxing better, and exactly. a lot of MMA fighters have to split that time and make mm-hmm. sure that they do those things. And it's just not fair to compare, you know. It's like it's, yeah. it's like saying, well, you know, like can this football player? Um, pick up rugby and be a world champion rugby player because they have the same shape ball, you know, like it's it's, sensical to be honest. They might, they might do well, but probably not going to just jump in and dominate, you know? Yeah. So like until you actually fighting, how much you, how much fights have you been in? I've had, um, I've had, I've had 30 fights, um, now total both amateur MMA and Muay Thai fights. Um, I've had, I think, 24 MMA fights total. Um, and then some Muay Thai fights thrown in there to equal about 30. So, um, my amateur career, I had a really long amateur career. I kind of struggled with balancing out my mental state. When I first started, I was kind of a slow start. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I got a little bit too aggressive, um, trying to balance that out. So I spent quite a bit of time at amateur. I only had eight, uh, professional fights, 
I was five and three as a professional. That's nice. Well, how does it feel to to win? Um, one of the best feelings in the world, but also one of the most disappointing feelings in the world, to be honest. <laughs> um, just because when you get in there, you know, like, of course, your hand gets raised and you're like, this is amazing. I'm on top of the world um, for that moment. And mm-hmm. then afterwards, you know, like everybody's all excited for you and they want to talk to you and they want to do these things. But then, you know, you start to kind of really realize like, this is it. Like, that's it. That was, that was the, that was the reward. I had that one moment and then that's it. Now I have to go back to work and try to do it again. That's, yeah. That's actually interesting that you said it because, uh, well, you know, Tyson Fury, right? From mm-hmm. boxing. Yeah. He, he pretty much said the same thing. Like how, well, he went on this drinking binge and, you know, drugs before he came back against um, Wilder. And he was like, I won. I was the champion of the world. I had everything. And then um, people would wonder why I was depressed and why I was drinking, etc. And he pretty much said what you said. Like, it was like a win, but all right, then <laughs> you just win. And then you have to do it again. And there's no kind of, tap. there's no permanent satisfaction from it, you know? Right. And I think that's what drives a lot of people to drugs and alcohol is they try to prolong that feeling. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of times after a fight, what's the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to go party and drink. Um, mm. and then I think eventually your brain starts to make sense that like, well, it feels good when I'm partying and drinking. So I might as well keep doing some more of that. That's what, that's what will make me feel good. Um, mm. and then on the flip side of that, Andy Ruiz, um, you know, he tried to prolong that feeling and, uh, and, and I think that he just tried to prolong his emotional state, you know, like I think he was so happy that he beat Anthony Joshua that he was just, uh, he was like, well, I'm the best now. I don't, I don't have to work anymore. And, um, yeah. and all of that. So yeah. did you watch the second fight? Uh, I did not watch the second fight. No, that was incredibly disappointing. He didn't, he didn't, uh, the weird thing is that, um, he had, he has the power to beat Joshua. He just didn't have the fitness in that day. And Joshua, mm-hmm fought him he actually used his reach in that fight yeah so joshua used his reach and just kept distance and um reason have the conditioning to get inside and take those punches and trade because that's incredibly tiring i, I don't even know but i'm pretty sure it's incredibly tiring oh, yeah. to do it for 12 rounds so yeah and he kind of he just didn't he i don't i don't know i, I mean depression is real you know, oh, regardless yeah. of how much um how much money you have and maybe i don't know i don't know what it, what it was going through his mind but you know well and when you have that extreme high of a win you can always expect the opposite to happen you know like um there has to be some at at some point it has to balance out um not everybody can be at that extreme high all the mm-hmm. time um somewhere it has to balance and so on the no well, so, sorry continue oh i didn't have anything else to say sorry <laughs> um so on the flip side how does uh like how do you cope with losing how does that you know how does that impact you for me personally, um, it always drove me a little bit more like it's depressing. It's, you know, it's everything that you would think it, it is, um, or you would expect it to be. It's heartbreaking. You question mm-hmm. in the, in the, I think the worst part about losing, especially in this sport is you stay up all night thinking I could have done this, you know, like at this moment, had I just done this differently, everything would have been different. And, um, so that's probably the biggest battle with losing is just, beating that for me personally. Um, the rest of it is pretty simple. Uh, it's like, well, I, 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 I get what I did. I screwed up. I didn't have better conditioning. I didn't train hard enough, whatever. As long as the, um, the consequences are on me, 
then I'm, ha- right. I'm fine with it. I can take that because that means that I can change it. When it's on somebody else, that's when I really struggle. That's where I had a, that ultimately what drove me away from playing music in bands was, you know, I'd show up to practice. I practiced my parts. I, I did everything I could. Yeah. Um, Your bad mates just wouldn't show up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that kind of thing. So it was just, and it's a, you know, band band members are just kind of unreliable by nature. So it's, you know, musicians an, aren't generally reliable. Yeah. No, that's an interesting parallel between like um, team sports and individual sports. Individual sports, a boxer, MMA fighter walks in there. It's just him, you know, and he has coaches, but they're not fighting, right? But then you have, you know, football, baseball, all these sports where one you can, you can throw a perfect pitch, it gets hit, and then one guy drops that catch. And it's like, you as a pitcher, do you, like do you blame him you know I, that, that team dynamic is so interesting you know i struggled that with with that in school because i had, i played football and um i wasn't very good of course and not that i would change the outcome of the the game but they would tell me you know like well you lost the game this weekend and i was like i didn't lose the game i didn't even play you know like it's not fair <laughs> to tell me that i lost the game i didn't play and um and so i started finding things like wrestling uh, and skateboarding was, I draw a lot of parallels between skateboarding and fighting. The people that do it, I think are very similar. And, um, and it's a task oriented thing. Like a lot of skateboarders will sit there and see an object and be like, I'm going to jump over this object and I'm not going to stop until I can complete this move. I'm going to come back, you know, day after day. And a lot of jujitsu, for instance, like you, you create these battles for yourself where you're like, this guy keeps beating me. I'm going to come back every single day until I get the better of him, or I'm going to come back every single day until I figure out this move. And so I think it appeals to the same kind of people. Um, those, those kind of, uh, a little bit more introverted, a little bit more, um, task oriented kind of people. Yeah. Determined people. Yes. Very. So on the actual topic of fighting, I guess, um, how do you switch on that killer instinct? Because, um, you know, you can even be cool with someone outside the ring, but you get in there and you pretty much have to borderline, you know, kill each other to win. Um, so how do you switch that on for me? When otherwise you're a seemingly, you know, cool, chill guy. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I try to be, um, for me, I think that I, it's when I made the decision to stop fighting, uh, or, or, you know, like I, I've always kind of told myself, like I might still do one more just as like my, my last hurrah. Um, but when I made that decision, it was incredibly difficult for me to get that competitive drive back. Um, because I had spent so long in this mental state of like every, every bit of my brain power went to how I was going to be a better fighter or how I was going to, um, diet better or do this better or do anything like that. And, and for me to get in that competitive state, I had to stay there. I couldn't go back and forth. I needed to be better at everybody at everything all the time. And, um, and it kind of turned me into a prick and it kind of like really ruined a lot of relationships and burnt a lot of bridges for me because I was that competitive. And in being a little bit older, I've started to learn how to balance those, those things out. I can go in now and compete in jujitsu just fine and, um, and not have to like really amp it up for weeks on end beforehand. Um, but that's taken years for me to balance and and figure out and and years of thousands of times of, of rolling in the gym, getting beat, getting the crap beat out of me to the point 
where when I compete now, it's like, I've been here before. Like this isn't anything different than my weekends, you know? And, uh, and so it's taken a lot of time to get there. Wow. That's, um, you know, I mean, like Deontay Wilder himself said, he basically has to go into the ring and kill the other guy. So, I mean, to have that mentality, as you said, I, I, I don't think it's possible to switch it off, especially like, do you have camps as well? Even though, you know, you're not as a, like, you're not prime time, but you still have camps and stuff. 12 weeks kind of dedicated to training. I try not to believe in the, the whole camp idea um, because if you limit yourself to those, what happens is you get a lot of people like, uh, if you've ever heard of Stefan Bonner, he was the, he fought Forrest Griffin in that big famous fight that kind of made the UFC famous. But uh, Stefan Bonner was notorious for doing like, you know, he, he'd have a fight and then disappear for months on end, then get a fight booked and come in 12 weeks out and be like, Hey coach, I, I got a fight coming up. I need to train, <laughs> you know? And it's uh, you're like, you're never going to get your cardio better. And then you're never going to advance technically. Um, you know, you only learn as much as you learned in that camp. And I believe that in between camps is where you get to experiment, play with your style, play with the ideas, make mistakes, um, because when you're in camp, it's all about not making mistakes. Um, mm. And unfortunately, like in this sport, you have to make mistakes to learn. Um, and so that in-between area is really important. I think a lot of fighters neglect that. And that's when you get to have fun. That's when you get to like just train for you and not have to think about, oh, I got a fight coming up because it's so taxing. You know, it's hard to learn whenever you're thinking about, in, in in 12 weeks, I'm going to get my face stomped in possibly, you know, like, um, the pressure, the pressure itself. Right. Yeah. So when, when did you decide to open, um, a martial arts studio and, you know, uh, what kind of went into that decision-making? Um, it was actually this, it was a really random thing. Um, I was a referee for a grappling tournament and I had some friends that, um, that we're going to the grappling tournament. So I rode with them. We stopped at a water park, like halfway home or whatever. And I was texting my friend, uh, Daniel, and I was going through his town, Conway. Um, I was from Northwest Arkansas. Conway's kind of central Arkansas. And I was going through, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going through your town right now. And he just randomly texted me. He's like, Hey bro, why don't you like stick around and open up a gym with me? And I was like, that sounds like a really interesting idea. Like, let's continue this conversation. Um, so over the next couple of weeks, we kind of like hashed out the idea. He was training at a gym at the time, uh, in town and he was kind of worried that it was going to go out of business. He wasn't going to have a place to train anymore. Right. Um, and lo and behold, it did. So we kind of jumped in and we we're like, all right, now's our, now's our time. Um, opened up a gym and it's been huge, huge success since. And how was your, um. I guess, self-confidence in having to, to train others and, and be that head coach? That's a, that's a really good question. Cause that's something that, um, you know, that's something that I've played your mind at the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like I got my black belt, uh, on my, on my birthday two years ago and right. I really, really struggled with that. I was like, man, I do not feel like a black belt. I'm just not there. <laughs> and a lot of that was like, you know, you, you kind of go in peaks and valleys and I was caught kind of in a valley in the middle of that. And so at the moment, I don't think that I was the best version of myself on the mats. Um, but I don't think that meant that I didn't have the knowledge. 
um, yeah. or didn't have the skills. And so it is a little bit of, you know, it's tough. And when you get people that question you, sometimes you, it's tough to not like take that as them challenging you. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, they're, they're trying to learn, they're, they're questioning um, the technique and that's what we're here to do. And so it's, it's sometimes it's tough to not take that as a challenge or um, anything like that. But the confidence really is when you're coaching other people to fight, it's a tough thing. And it's a tough thing for, to gain the confidence of the people that you're training a lot of the times too. The, the good thing is we do sparring and we do rolling and I get to kick the crap out of these people. And then they, they walk away from it like, oh, he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, uh, they feel I get to walk away from it too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. But um, you know that that that's a uh, confidence. That's congratulations to you because you know that's a big step, and um, you know to have that much confidence in yourself is good. And it I'm- is, and it's it's a tough. You know, for a lot of people, I, I recognize it's a tough balance of having that confidence and um, not being over to co- overconfident in it. Um, you know, the, there's kind of an adage in jujitsu that jujitsu kind of erases the douchebags. And, um, I don't think that it does. I think it gives a lot of the douchebags just a bigger platform, uh, to kind of leap off of, I'm sorry, that's my dog barking in the yeah, back. I have, I have many dogs myself. I understand. <laughs> He's a loud one. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of people, um, you know, it, it's, it's a lot like religion, you know, like religion can make good people really a lot better and bad people a lot worse. Um, and, and jujitsu and fighting is the same way. There's no difference. Right. So what, what's kind of like the, um, policy of your gym or what sets yours apart? You know, what's the environment like? Um, I think really like, I just try to be real with everybody that I'm, that I'm there with. I don't like the whole idea of like master sensei kind of thing. Like when I look at it objectively, when I look at it from the outside, it's the silliest thing in the world, you know, like. I'm wrestling with a bunch of my friends in pajamas most of the time. And, um, and so when I look at it like that, it kind of makes it more real and it makes it more, you know, I'm hanging out with my friends. They respect me. They know that I have this knowledge that they want and they want to get better. Um, but ultimately we're all here to have fun and just have a good time. And, um, and so I think like that, that helps a lot with that kind of thing. But like um, you are, you train any um, you train a lot of fighters who kind of actually want to go pro or kind of semi pro right now. I have a couple, yeah. Um, I've actually had a really interesting. You know, most of our students and our clients are jujitsu based, so we have a lot of competitors uh, in ju- in just jujitsu. Uh, they do we do really well with that. My MMA team has um, since the beginning uh, has kind of struggled. I had. You know, when I first opened the gym, I was still fighting MMA professionally. And so I had to like kind of build a team around me of mostly new people that I had to teach while I was getting ready for fights. Um, And then it kind of fell apart. And then I started another team um, or I kind of started building up another team. I had a guy, uh, one of my, one of the guys on the team actually, unfortunately passed away really suddenly. And that kind of just threw a wrench in everything and, and it fell apart again, you know? And like, so we've kind of gone up and down with our MMA team. Um, right. and it's I mean, been challenges, a- make you, um, challenges make you loon. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, it, it's, it's picking back up and I think that, uh, I think that it'll do well in MMA. Like 
MMA is very much uh, a, a uh, like a trendy thing. Uh, it'll right. kind of wax and wane as far as like people being interested in it. And yeah. uh, right now, thankfully, we have a, a Arkansas native that's doing really well in the UFC. So the interest in MMA is really, really big right now in our area. Right. Yeah. No, that's interesting because it's like someone might watch a UFC event and be like, I want to try it. Then roll around two weeks and be like, nah, might not be for me. Yeah, that happens actually all the time. Um, yeah. You know, I, have I mean, it's understandable because this fighting and stuff, it just isn't for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like people really underestimate how, how tough it is. I have people that can't make it through warm ups and I have to huh. leave. And I'm like, this stuff's hard. That's why we do it. You know, that's why we're here. Um, yeah. a lot of people just don't understand what they're getting into when they walk in the door sometimes. So on the final question on the actual martial arts point is, uh, what has it all taught you and how has it made you kind of a better person? For, for me personally, it's, it's really made me, um, be able to kind of like stand outside of it. Well, a, the, I think the number one thing that it's taught me is it's taught me how to learn. Um, I struggled in school. I wasn't like, I wasn't a good student. I wasn't the studious type. I got in trouble a lot, that kind of whole thing. And, um, when I got into, into jujitsu, into fighting, into striking, it forced me to like, this is something that I love and I have to take seriously if I want to get better at it, which means that I need to learn how to study. I need to like learn how to sit down and write notes out and write, you know, take notes at a seminar or, um, research a, a certain subject or whatever. And so it kind of taught me how my brain works and how I learn best. And that's been able to, I've been able to carry into anything. You know, now I feel like I can learn whatever I want. I've taught myself graphic design now um, because I just approached it the same way that I did with fighting. I was like, I just need to pour myself in into this and be obsessed with it. Look up everything that I can, take notes, do all of those things. And, um, and I'll get better at it. So I think that's the number one thing, uh, that I've taken away from fighting personally. Yeah. Uh, so like just top class discipline, <laughs> just constant discipline and, um, attempting to improve yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't know how to, to like, to tap into that for myself, um, like in school, because I wasn't interested in the, in the stuff they were teaching in school. You know, I was interested in skateboarding and doing stupid stuff with my friends so like once I got to a position where I was like, Oh, now I've, I've got to learn this. People are, I'm watching people around me, like get better and I can't figure out how to get better at this. And that forced me into a position where I had to study and had to learn uh, and kind of tap into that. All right. Now let's uh, discuss the sport itself. So, um, in boxing, especially there's, there's now kind of been a, a fascination about zero losses and having a win streak. So all is not as big as in MME, um, other than Khabib and maybe a few others have a long streak. Um, do you see that trend kind of picking up in MME now? And personally to you, how big is a win streak with no losses? Yeah, so um, it's kind of inter it's an interesting dynamic between the two sports because although they're like very similar and they take they share a lot of the same traits when it comes to like building a fighter's career mm -hmm. mma seems to be like a watered down version of how they do it in boxing um, in boxing you'll see fighters that you know they have 
their their big debut on ESPN or whatever, and they're like twenty three and O with twenty three knockouts. Yeah. And yeah. you start to question that. And when I when I've kind of gotten into the boxing scene more, I had a boxing coach that was uh, he worked with Floyd Mayweather and would go out to his camps and help him. So I got to like kind of, you know, I wasn't around it much, but I got to kind of hear the stories and see a little bit how it works. But they're very open about like, we pad these fighters, you know, like the idea is is they come in and we kind of, we pick up scrubs and they come in and our fighter beats, beats the hell out of them. And in MMA, they do a lot of the same, but in a smaller scale. So where a boxer will come in like 23 and 0 or whatever, an MMA fighter will get maybe two or three of those chances where they'll yeah. kind of bring in a guy like you're going to be, you're going to beat this guy. If this guy beats you, it's a total, it's a total fluke, you know? And I had a couple of those in my, in my career and I walked away from one where I had to tell my guy, I was like, don't ever, don't ever book a fight for me like that again. Like I don't feel it's hard to have a killer instinct and it's hard to be that person. Whenever you're looking at this guy, like this guy doesn't belong here. You know, he shouldn't be in the stage with anybody let alone with me right now. And, um, and so in MMA, it happens, it is necessary. Um, the balance of it though, is what's where managers struggle and and stuff like that. Uh, the, if, you know, if I lose a fight, you don't want to put me in there against another undefeated guy, uh, you know, like that's on a big hot streak. Um, Mm -hmm you, you kind of want to be like, okay, you, you lost this fight. Like, let's kind of tone it back a little bit, give you somebody that's a little bit more like, maybe we shouldn't have, maybe we need more time before we attack that next level. Maybe we should kind of tone it back a little bit, get somebody that's on a, you know, that hasn't been doing real well either. You guys fight, see how, what happens there. So that kind of thing makes sense. But, um, some of it gets a little bit extreme. You'll see in these amateur, go ahead. Because of that, boxing has been suffering because what happens is that in MMA, MMA, I think that because people care less about it, like everybody fights everybody. But in in, in, um, in boxing, you have now a lot of talented boxers, but they're never going to fight each other because of that fear to lose that zero, you know? Yeah. And it, it, when you make that too important, then it, uh, and, and in boxing, like you're only as good as that. Is that zero? Yeah, that last fight. It's all about that. Yeah, it's, you're only as good as your last fight, really. And the promoters are only concerned with one thing, which is your money. So why, if I'm going to make, if I if I fight you and I make $20 million, but I fight a random guy twice for the year and make $5 million each, because that's how much boxing actually pays somehow, right? Yeah. Um, why would I fight you when I can, I mean, bigger money, maybe some legacy, but I mean... I would just take the money, easy fight, easy camp, easy life. So you yeah. know what I mean? That, that's the thinking of a lot of those guys. Yeah. And, you know, on my podcast, we we just recently did a study of Mitsuya Maeda, who is a, um, he, he was a Japanese uh, judo practitioner of Kano who created uh, a, a judo. And so he's kind of credited for bringing jujitsu over to Brazil and introducing it to the Gracies. And so we dove into that. And it turns out that like prize fighting, fixing fights, those kinds of things were really, really common. And, um, and I don't think that anything's changed. People will always need a way to make money. People will always need a way to rig the system to make money. And I think that fighting is the easiest way to do that, uh, for a lot of people. And, yeah. um, 
You know, like if some dude, if somebody offered me $10 million to, to take a loss, I'd be like, hell yes. Where do I sign up? You know, like I have no shame about that. You could offer me a lot less money than $10 million. Yeah, exactly. But on that point, uh, the next question is really like, what do you think about MMA fighters being kind of underpaid, especially compared to boxing? And uh, what do you think about like a fighters union? Because the difference between the two things is that um, even, even in massive fights in UFC, Floyd could go fight a nobody in literally, which he literally did in, um, I think it's Japan or somewhere in Asia. Tension, I think was his name. Um, and, uh, I think he made like 50 million. So it's like, is that, what what's your thoughts on kind of the underpaying of MMA fighters compared to, to boxers? The, the fan in me, I think that it's a good thing, honestly, that they're underpaid. Um, that's, that's from the fan. What got me into MMA and what like appealed to me most about watching MMA fighters was that Mm -hmm. it reminded me of the golden age of boxing when I feel like a lot of the fighters had more heart than they did money. Um, you know, they were in there fighting because they wanted to, because they loved it. They wanted that legacy. The money was great. The, you know, like, and that was always good, but it seems like in the golden age, they were fighting for that money because they needed it to provide for their family, like during the depression kind of thing. Whereas now it's, um, you know, you see like Floyd Mayweather fight, he's already got, he's already worth $500 million and he's about to make another 250 million fighters. Like, what does he have to fight for? I'm not excited about that. You know, it's true. It's a lot like, uh, you know, watching college football and then watching professional football. It seems Mm -hmm. in college football, they try a lot harder. They, um, you know, they, they've got something to prove and they've got somewhere to go. Yeah. That your their entire life is on the line, really. Yeah. The future is on the line. And the NFL. Who've made it already. But when you have just a, a certain level of money, you know, you'd obviously lose that motivation. Absolutely. And it's, it's incredibly hard to, uh, you know, we all know that, that those things are going to happen. Um, we all know that like you get that kind of money and you, you know, your, your, your brain's going to kind of switch, you get that kind of fame and things are going to be different. Um, we all know those pitfalls, but still everybody seems to fall into it. Yeah. And uh, generally do you like the direction MME is going? For the most part. Yeah. Um, I think that like the UFC has made a lot of questionable decisions but I think ultimately they're doing it for, for the better. I think like, you know, I think Dana White's trying to make money, of course, but with how much they've done for the, I mean, they created the sport. Like there's no, there's no question about it. And, um, they, I think their number one, their biggest mistake was they created a market for themselves as far as like the sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Um, when they switched to Reebok, they ruined that market. You know, when was the last yeah. time? people wearing tap out shirts um it just it's not really anything that exists anymore um and it's because the ufc signed the reebok deal and then tap out just disappeared um so that kind of direction i'm kind of disappointed i think that there could have been a really interesting um market that came out of that you know like i didn't necessarily i don't necessarily like tap out i don't like those kinds of things but like you know that could have spurred into a whole nother brand Within the UFC sphere, yeah, yeah, I understand. They they created that for themselves, and then they just destroyed it. And uh, 
they're still doing well and they're, they're still pushing the sport, but I think there's a lot to be done differently too. Right. And well, final question on this point is, well, trash talking has of course been massive in sports since the beginning of time. Um, and well, boxing, uh, there's a lot of trash talk, but I think in MME, I think Connor really pushed the limits, especially with Habib, but that's a whole different kind of level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what's your take on it? Um, to you, is there a line and can you separate a fighter and the hype and the promo from personal, you know, issues? Um, again, like as a fighter, I hated it. I hate trash talk. I never participated in it. And I honestly never had anybody try to tra- trash talk me. Um, and I think that they, most people just understood that I just wasn't that guy. And, mm. um, but again, as a fan, I love it. I love, I love hearing him talk trash, you know, like, um, I'm all about like reality TV. Like if you ever watched 90 day fiance, it's one of my favorite shows. It's so stupid, but I love the drama. Like if you can, if you can take the drama and turn it up to 11, I'm all about it. And, um, and that's what Conor McGregor did. And that's what, you know, and that's what appeals to most people. So as a fan, I love it. I think there's, you know, there's so many good trash talkers. It's so, so much fun to listen to. Um, and it makes the lead up to it so much more interesting. Yeah. It just creates that hype and the narrative. Yeah. Right. And like who, who watched any of the, the, uh, the post fight press conferences or the, the weigh-ins before Conor McGregor, like nobody paid attention to those because nobody was talking trash, you know? And then, uh, now you, you get like people watching the, the post fight interviews like crazy. Um, cause they yeah, want to just see, said. Just see the outcome and more trash talk and, you know, yeah. How the narrative plays out. So, um, well, we always do rapid fire questions at the end. Okay. So, um, well, I'll start off just for MMA purposes, Khabib or Connor. I'm a Connor fan. I'm not like, I'm just not a, I don't like Khabib much. All about Why? Oh, like fighting style or personality style? I think a little bit of both. Um, I, I base a lot of my, like my favorite fighters based on like just how they, how they look fighting. I love those guys that like do things the way that you're taught to do them. I was like Jose Aldo for that reason. Like he throws his punches and kicks the way that we're taught to in class. And it's a good example right. of like how you're supposed to fight guys that are yeah. a little bit more like obscure. I've always, um, I didn't like very much. Yeah. I like Connor more too, but I mean, I think I think if Conor came more prepared for that fight, he could have he could have done better. But at that point, like, did you watch his um, did you watch his press conferences and stuff for the Cowboy fight? Yeah, he was uh, he was like much more stoic. Yeah, he was just completely different. I don't know if I don't know if he's changed, you know, genuinely changed. Or I don't know if he's putting on his show that fight, but he went he he was just kind. And and even when people asked him about Habib and stuff, he wasn't. He was just like, what, what problems that I had with me, et cetera, et cetera. So it was weird. I think he just changed his entire, um, I don't know if it's real though. You just never know with these guys if it's real or for a show. And how, how do you not get wrapped up in the tornado that's Conor McGregor? You know, if you're living that life, are you kidding me? I'd be, <laughs> I would have never made it as far as he did. Like you give me my first million and I'm out of there. <laughs> he got, he had one fight and made How much did he made for Floyd? 250 million probably. Yeah, no, something like that. Stupid money that is. Yeah. That's stupid money. Um, but yeah, no, a corner for me as well. What would you change in your past? 
Um, you know, there's not much that I would change in my past. I, I think that I'm, it's kind of cliche, but I think that, you know, literally everything that happened kind of shaped me. And I really love the idea of like, I can go back now and look at my mistakes and look at the things that maybe I would normally say, like, I want to change that about myself. And I can go back mm-hmm. now and look at and pick out what, uh, you know, how that led me to be the person that I am now. Um, and I think that's something that only comes with like age and, and kind of living your life and starting to, you get to a certain point where you're able to look back and, and see like, Oh, you know, my, my parents weren't wrong. They were, they were trying to set me up for this, that kind of idea. Uh, and, and so I can see kind of where those mistakes have put me on the path to now. Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. What's your favorite song? Or at least right now, if you can name of all time favorite song. Yeah. Um, I saw this, I saw this on the list and I had to like make sure that I had an answer. Cause I knew whenever you asked, I was like, not going to have an answer. Um, but uh, a song called where am I by a band called title fight. Um, love that song. It's so good. All right. I don't, I don't know what the song, but I'll listen to it after. What kind of rock is it? It's, uh, it's like a little bit of a blend of, of pop punk and hardcore music, but it's, uh, it's a little bit more mellow. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it sounds like, um, uh, introspective. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, favorite, uh, favorite movie, uh, the assassination of Jesse James. I'm a real big, oh, like, yeah, uh, I've seen love, that movie. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I love like, say what now? To be quite honest. I've even heard of that movie to be quite honest. It's based off of a book. Um, and the book is equally as beautiful, but like the cinematography in that movie is just outstanding. Like it's, it's so incredible to watch. Uh, it's a kind of a long drawn out movie, but just watching it scene for scene is beautiful. Right. Did you like, uh, did you like, what's the MME movie that with Michael Jai White? Um, oh, was it, top like, right now? Uh, was it never back down? Is that what you're talking about? Why was I thinking Taco? Yeah, never back down. Did yeah, not like a fan. No, <laughs> not a fan. Most of those, it was cool. <laughs> yeah, most of those movies, like anytime that I see fighting in movies now, I'm just like, oh no, you know, like it's it's so cringeworthy sometimes to me. But like, I understand why they why they fight the way they do in movies. Um, you can't necessarily right. do a full on MMA fight <laughs> for a scene. Um, what are you listening to right now? Um, I've actually been listening to a lot of one of my old favorite bands called Have Heart. Um, they're another hardcore band. Um, but some of their like lyrics and, and stuff really have been striking a chord with me more recently than ever. I've had kind of a wild uh, quarantine. You know, the world the world's falling apart around me. And I found out I'm having a kid. And now I'm getting married too. So it's like all of that Congrats. was happening all during uh, the quarantine for me. <laughs> Congrats, that's like a wave, a wave of emotion probably. Yeah, yeah. And so I think just all those like, you know, I grew up with that band listening to it. And so I think all those sentimental feelings are kind of coming back and uh, hitting me hard now. <laughs> what animal would you want to interact with? Oh, easy. An otter, like the river otters. I think those are like... <laughs> it's a weird choice, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're the cutest animals in the world. <laughs> Who would you uh, want to have dinner with that or life? Uh, Muhammad Ali. He's uh, he's uh, one of my idols. I just love 
it wasn't even like his his in the ring stuff. It was his, I think everything he did out the ring as well. Yeah, absolutely. Trash talking was sick too. Well, and like I, I've never heard anything that's come out of his mouth that isn't profound. You know, yeah. like it, it's um, I don't it, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, there's a skateboarder named Rodney Mullen who's a lot like the same thing. Like you'd swear that there's that he has like. Uh, that he's a savant or something like just the way that he talks is everything he comes, he says is just so prophetic and, and it makes you think. And for me, Muhammad Ali was like that uh, growing up as a kid, like everything he said, I was like, wow. And, uh, <laughs> and now it's like, it's so obvious and, and, and whatever. But when I was a kid, it just like, it really stuck with me. Right. What kind of, what can you eat every day? Ice cream. Easy. <laughs> anything sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a bad sweet tooth. Yeah, me too. What what, what flavor ice cream? I'm pretty basic. I like vanilla. Um, yeah, but like those like pralines. No, I, go ahead. I, I had to have to choose chocolate over vanilla any day. Oh yeah. Um, see, I like chocolate. Oh, you chocolate ice cream, but it's like I don't know. I don't know why I like vanilla ice cream. I'm just basic like that, I guess. <laughs> Just gotten into um, Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's has a, a wide variety of flavors. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> uh, what is your best treat? Um, I think that probably like just the ability to kind of be real with myself and see myself um, or see the things that I'm doing for what they are. I've always prided mm -hmm. myself on uh when i'm fighting when i've been fighting a lot of my training camps were kind of by myself or quote unquote training camps when i was getting ready for fights i had to do a lot of it by myself and so it required me to really like step outside of the box and think um you know are you doing this right are you doing it because you're lazy or are you doing it because it's the right thing to do um you know do you suck at this move or are you good at it and so that kind of gave me the ability to kind of look at that those kinds of things through every aspect of my life and just be real with what's going on in, inside my head and, and what's going on with what I'm doing. Right. And what can you um, work on within yourself? Um, you know, like I think that I have not, I get frustrated easily and my, my brain kind of gets clouded up, you know? So like if something starts to frustrate me and I start to struggle with something, then it starts to snowball on me to where I like, it just gets real cloudy and I can't think straight and I have to like kind of take time away from it and then come back to it later. Um, and I think that I, that's something that a trait that I could really work on is just having the, the level headedness and clear mind to be able to pursue through um, something that might be frustrating for me. And what was your childhood dream? Uh, interestingly enough to be a power ranger and I'm halfway there. <laughs> which, 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 which color power ranger? Oh, the white ranger. Yeah. Red for me. Um, yeah. what's your favorite superhero? Uh, my favorite superhero, hard to not say power ranger again, but, um, I would well, say. In Marvel, DC. Marvel, DC. Okay. Okay. Um, green lantern, green lantern was, oh, yeah. when I was cool pick. Yeah, when I was a kid, my dad's a comic book collector and um wow. he had like he has like the number I think like the number one uh issue of Green Lantern and that's like his oldest comic. And so when I was a kid I would just like, you know, that was really cool to me and I'd always go and look at it 
And so that ended up kind of spurring my curiosity into the Green Lantern. Your father was probably like so happy to see those things come to life. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, I think that, you know, I was talking about like, go ahead. Yeah, mom. Personally, I'm like kind of bored, I guess. Not not bored. I wouldn't say bored because I still go watch all of them in cinemas, but it's kind of getting it's, um, it's kind of over now because <laughs> it's just so much, but it's still cool to see them, you know? Yeah, it's it's grown. I don't, I don't, I honestly haven't seen any of the superhero movies in a long time um, because of the same reason. There's just like, it's too much. Were, I'm tired of having superheroes shoved down my neck, you know, like, <laughs> like leave me alone about it. <laughs> yeah. But your father has watched them. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's all about them. He, he watches every single one of them. That's understandable. Um, what's the worst job you've had? Um, I had a, I, I was, I worked at Delta airlines, uh, for a little while and that was like the best job slash the worst job, the best because I got to fly anywhere in the world for pretty much free. Um, the worst because the people that I was dealing with, like when people walk into an airport, they lose their mind, you know, like the one thing goes wrong with their flight or whatever. And it's, they become the worst kind of human being possible. And it was just, I couldn't deal with it. I can't stand being around people like that. Yeah. Yeah. In, impatient and intolerable. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, are you into cars? Not what kind really. of dream car. Um, you don't have one then? I know I do. I would say probably like a, a Bel Air, like the, the old uh, Chevy or the old Bel Airs I think would, would probably be my dream car. That's um, about a generation too much for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, they were my uncle had one growing up, so I was like, oh, okay. I was super. I thought they were just the prettiest thing. And uh, final question: What is success to you? Um, the ability to be happy with my financial state, um, or or to be content with my financial state. I'll say that because I don't think I'm ever anybody's ever going to be happy with how much money they have. Yeah. Um, more. Yeah, but being able to uh, make sure that my bills are paid and 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 not have to stress about debt or my my child's future, um, that's success to me. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you can interview. Uh, sorry, you can uh, promote what you what you want. Um, I guess your podcast, your Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I run. I, I co-host uh, the Rough and Tumble podcast. You can find us on pretty much any major streaming platforms. Um, we also, we, we just got done interviewing a really, really huge guest that we're excited about that comes out tomorrow on Monday. And um, so we're really excited about that and we've got a couple more lined up. So we're kind of going on a little tour of trying to promote these things and it would be really, really great if anybody could just go check out those uh, that podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at the Rough and Tumble Podcast. And then again, anywhere that streaming is available. All right. I'll put those links in the description for you guys. So thanks for coming on, man. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. All right, guys. Bye.